Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology for the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Nala Heichel, a clinical pathologist here in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic, who specializes in coagulation testing. Thank you for being with us here today, Dr. Heichel. Good morning, thank you for having me. So can you uh, start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your expertise for our listeners? Sure. So I'm a clinical pathologist trained and then worked as a medical director in the coagulation lab and immunology labs at the University of Utah ARUP Reference Lab. I joined Mayo Clinic a little over two years now. Very recently, I was appointed as the co-director of the Special Coagulation Lab, and I'm also the associate director for the Coagulation Lab Fellowship. Well, that's great, and glad to have you here at Mayo. So we're in this pandemic with COVID-19, and I'm hearing about people having hematologic responses to COVID-19. Can you tell us a little bit about what these responses are? Mortality from this disease has two major pathological elements, deteriorating of lung function and thrombosis, which made coagulopathy one of the most significant poor prognostic features in COVID-19 patients. And thrombosis is clotting of the blood inside the blood vessels. So instead of the blood being flowing in the blood vessels, it forms clots, so prevents the blood from flowing freely to different organs. Coagulopathy in COVID-19 patients shows complex engagement of many aspects of hemostatic system with abnormal platelet activation, alteration of the fibrinolytic system, and strong activation of the endothelium that cause persistent endotheliitis with wide spectrum of thrombosis reported, either venous or arterial. These thrombotic events occur during the acute illness and in the subsequent weeks of convalescence. And in addition to the macrothrombi, patients also develop microthrombotic events, mainly in the lungs. And if we think about it, thrombotic events in COVID patients make sense because in general, patients who develop sepsis from various infectious agents have systemic activation of coagulation system and immune system. And the development of coagulopathy is one of the key features that is associated with poor outcome in septic patients which eventually result in what we call disseminated intravascular coagulation or DIC. So what is DIC? It's a systemic disease characterized by the widespread of intravascular activation of coagulation causing damage to the microvasculature that if sufficiently severe can produce organ damage. How DIC is diagnosed? It's diagnosed mainly by significantly elevated D-dimer, which is a byproduct of the blood clotting and breakdown process. DIC is also diagnosed by low platelets, low fibrinogen, and prolonged prothrombin time, which is due to consumption of the coagulation factors in the process of clot formation. 
However, and interestingly, COVID-19 patients do not usually present with features of typical DIC or what we call overt DIC. They don't always have decreased platelets or decreased coagulation factors and often have increased fibrinogen, which we can think of as an earlier phase of DIC. There has been several studies that uh, associated DIC with poor prognosis. And a study showed that in survivors, only 0.6% of patients met criteria of DIC. That's very interesting. And uh, it makes sense the way you've explained it uh, and thinking of this in the, in the context of DIC. So here at Mayo Clinic, do we have an assay or a testing profile that could assist uh, physicians who are dealing with COVID-19 in their patients and, and help them look at how their patients are doing? Yes, so we have the DIC profile that includes the dimer, uh, soluble fiber monomer, which is another marker for DIC, uh, fibrinogen per thrombin time and partial thromboplastin time. So actually the International Society of Thrombosis and Hemostasis uh, recommends baseline D-dimer per thrombin time and platelets in patients presenting with COVID-19 because it has been reported that first the D-dimer is higher in patients needing critical care support and markedly elevated D-dimer arbitrarily defined as three to four fold increase is one of the predictors of mortality. Therefore, admission to hospital should be actually considered even in absence of other severity symptoms since elevated D-dimer clearly signify increased thrombin generation. So the second recommendation from the ICH is the prothrombin time, uh, because also it has been shown that prolonged prothrombin time is associated with worse mortality and need for critical care support. Also, platelet count is recommended to be tested since a meta-analysis showed that thrombocytopenia is worse in severe disease. Also, it showed that thrombocytopenia is associated with higher mortality, but this was not a universal finding. So, so far from our experience in the lab, what we have noticed and was also published that COVID coagulopathy results show normal or slightly prolonged prothrombin time and activated partial thromboplastin time, elevated fibrinogen as an acute phase reactant, and elevated D-dimer with different degrees. Well, it's fascinating what a prominent role coagulopathies plays in COVID-19, and I think we're really just starting to understand that better now. So why is this testing important, and would it affect COVID-19 patient management? Yes, so one of the key issues recognized with the management of COVID-19 has been the admission can be very helpful at management of coagulopathy based on easily available laboratory parameters. So in addition, the ISTH recommend regular laboratory monitoring, so not only COVID-19, and based on the evidence that markedly increased D-dimer is associated with high mortality and multi-organ failure, a prophylactic dose of low molecular weight heparin or unfractionated heparin is recommended, which could be actually considered in all patients with elevated D-dimer 
including non-critically ill, especially that the low molecular weight heparin and unfractionated heparin, they also have an anti-inflammatory properties. Also, if there is worsening of these parental care support is warranted and the consideration should be given to more experimental therapies. So in summary, testing is very helpful for risk certification for admission, prophylactic anticoagulant, and experimental therapies. Well, thank you, Dr. Heiko. This is really interesting because we think of COVID-19 in the realm of infectious diseases, but clearly you're showing that coagulation testing is really a key component of patient management and perhaps even predicting prognosis. And I don't think most of us would think of that when you think of an infectious disease. So what challenges mm -hmm. have you encountered during this pandemic and how have you overcome them? I guess we have all witnessed the dramatic and rapid changes in the way we do things at home and work. For example, the way we teach and interact with our trainees and the way we stay connected. So our education program include not only pathology residents and fellows, but also internal medicine, hematology, and hemonc fellows. So with the help of our exceptional education specialists, we rapidly learned to use remote learning platforms and video conferencing and adding a lot of online resources. In the lab, we experienced decreased volumes, deployed and furloughed staff, shift and schedule change for social distancing, some trouble with supply chain and agent availability, this all on top of the stress on everyone balancing work with personal responsibilities. I would say that we were able to overcome these challenges by teamwork, flexibility, and compassion. Very nicely said. Is there anything you've seen that you felt has been particularly inspiring during the pandemic? So I think there's a lot of inspiration through this pandemic. So one of the things in the lab I felt very inspiring is when the need came for people to furlough and redeploy. We had many volunteers from the lab who were willing to step up and do what was needed to support our team. To me, this was an inspiring selfless act of kindness and responsibility. In addition, this pandemic in general inspired a sense of community for people who were most affected and needed help. Also because by taking COVID-19 precautions, you're not only protecting yourself, but feeling the responsibility to protect others. I mean, in addition, I think this pandemic, I feel made families get closer for example, me being stuck with my kids or maybe <laughs> my, kids, my kids being stuck with me, it helped, it helped me get closer to them and, and understand them better where um, I think now I already started to change the way I approach a lot of things with them. Also, one of the inspiring things that I have noticed uh, that many people took this chance to learn new things. I think what also was most inspiring for me that poverty and plenty were equal. I mean, all people shared the same fear and isolation. And instead of traveling by planes and cars, we started to walk in the fresh air. I really believe that the pandemic will create a better us. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think that there are some silver linings that have come out of this pandemic, spending time with our families, maybe not traveling all over the world. I particularly have enjoyed actually not having to go somewhere every other week and just take that deep breath and then keep going with the pandemic. Well, thank you for sharing those thoughts. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, so I just wanted to say that the information about coagulopathy in COVID-19 patients is still evolving. Uh, what we don't know is much more than what we know. Clinical and scientific communities, they really have a lot of work to better understand this disease and answer a lot of unanswered questions. For example, what is the role of platelet activation? Is there an increased risk of heparin-induced thrombocytopenia? Is COVID coagulopathy in the spectrum of antiphospholipid syndrome? Why do majority of patients not progress to DIC? So there is a great opportunities for new discoveries, whether using our standard laboratory testing or a novel tools that may expand our knowledge. For example, using proteomics which is a powerful tool to study protein expression pattern at a given time in response to specific stimulus and determine functional protein networks. There is already one study that looked at the impact of IL-6, which has been associated with the severity of the disease on the proteome of COVID-19 patients with proteomic analysis stratified by level of IL-6, correlating it to markers of inflammation. I also just actually learned about an interesting effort to use machine learning to look at peripheral smears from patients with COVID-19 to detect any changes that may be characteristic for those patients. So actually, just finally, I just believe that this pandemic has taught us a lot of life lessons. We will definitely come out from this pandemic experience stronger, more adaptive, flexible, patient, and grateful. I believe we really need to stay positive with growth mindset, which will help us realize the positive aspects that can come out from this difficulty to be ready to accept and survive any future challenges. Now, very nicely said, Dr. Haikal. I can't agree more. I think this has brought us together as a group and it's reinforced some of our best properties as people being just supportive of each other during this difficult time. And it's given us the opportunity to get to know our families and our friends a little better in some ways. So I also really appreciate all the exciting opportunities that you've mentioned to study this further from a coagulation standpoint. It sounds like we have a lot of work to do. And I'm sure that your lab is already doing a lot of this. Uh, so thank you for sharing this with our listeners. Um, and with me, I learned a lot as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.